Well, good morning, everyone. So great to see you this morning. I want to just begin by expressing my extraordinary privilege to serve Higher Vision Church and our community of faith around the world. You know, on behalf of the pastors as well as, my, as, as, well as myself, I think there is a gratitude that we have uh, to be a part of you and to be a part of your lives and to be able to share in your lives, whether that means speaking on a weekend such as this, sharing the Word of God, or just interacting with you through the week. So thank you so much for your kindness. We, we're blessed by you. I also want to express how much of a privilege it is for me to serve alongside of my brother Jared. Uh, some of you may know this, but we started out together in the ministry around 25 years ago, uh, and he would lead worship, and I would preach, uh, or he would teach uh, uh, sessions, and I would help him with worship. So now, 25 years later, to be able to be together in ministry and share together is just such a blessing to me personally. We talked about it 25 years ago without ever realizing that it would come to pass. So I want to express that today. But are you ready for the Word? Yeah. Amen. Grab your Bibles, your source of Scripture. Turn with me to Psalm 61 uh, as we take a look at an incredible psalm. In fact, I just want to say real quickly, we started this series, Dive, last weekend. Pastor Jared preached a great message and challenged us with three big ideas, diving deeper in knowing God, diving deeper in understanding our purpose, and diving deeper in receiving God's power. Well, I want to add to the paragraph today. I want to talk about two more important ideas that will encourage us and inspire us to dive deeper. The theme verse for this particular series is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Would you read this last verse with me in the Message Bible? The Spirit, not content, would you read it with me? The Spirit, not content to flit around on the surface, dives deep into the depths of God and brings out what God planned all along. Now let's look at Psalm 61. In fact, I know you just sat down, but would you stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word today? Psalm chapter 61, and I'm going to ask you if you would to read it along with me. Eight verses, starting with verse 1. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your people. 
Thank you that we can dive deeper in your word, that it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I pray today that you will unveil the mysteries of your word, the mysteries of Psalm 61. May it quicken us and make us alive in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated today. As we look at this particular passage, Psalm uh, chapter 61, which by the way, the Psalms are an amazing part of the Bible. The book of Psalms uh, was written over the span of about 900 years. The first Psalm written was Psalm chapter 90, written by Moses. And then the latter Psalms were written by some authors right after the Babylonian captivity. But what I love about the book of Psalms is it's so practical. And it teaches us not only to sing, it's a psalm book or a hymn book, but it also teaches us to pray. In fact, the big idea, the first big idea that I want to share with you this morning is that idea that we are to dive deeper in prayer. Dive deeper in prayer. And when you read the first few phrases, and we're just going to take them one phrase, one verse at a time, David starts with some heavy, revy stuff. I mean, he starts by saying, hear my cry, O God. And that word cry there in the Hebrew in the Old Testament is normally used to depict a cry of jubilation or joy. But that's not the use here in Psalm chapter 61. It's it's a cry of desperation. It's a piercing scream almost, if you will. It's an SOS. It's David declaring from the beginning of this psalm, my heart is overwhelmed. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. Don't just hear me, but listen to me. And then he goes on to say, I will cry to you from the end of the earth, from the furthest place away possible. That's where I feel right now. I'm crying to you from the end of the earth. So right at the beginning of this psalm, David is crying out in desperation. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like that you were at a particular time in your life that you just needed to dive deeper in prayer? You just needed to go beyond the surface. You needed to pray fervently and passionately. You know, James 5.16 says it's the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person that avails much. It's it's not the lifeless, passionless prayer of a righteous person that avails much. It's someone who knows how to pray fervently. I asked the staff, the pastoral team this week, if there's one area that you feel like personally you can apply that will cause you to dive deeper in your relationship with God, what would that one thing be? And there were various answers. But my response was diving deeper in fervently praying to God. See, prayer is is not really about what you say. It's not the words that you're declaring. It's the cry of your heart. It's not the method. You know, I've been around people who, who pray these incredible, ornate prayers. Great and mighty God. Oh, magnanimous Father of the universe, thank you that you are with me in all the vicissitudes of life. 
and for socializing homo sapiens and the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they may be used for the transformation of the social order into the kinds of eschatological utopia that God, you willed from the beginning of creation. And I mean, these, these prayers are just incredibly ornate. And I, I think, what in the world is this guy praying? I mean, what, what's going on? Because prayer is, is not about saying the right words. It's about getting the right ear. It's about crying out to God. It's what my son Garrett talks about, sharing heart with God. That's when you're really praying, you become fervent and passionate. You dive deeper in prayer. Now, I can tell you for a period of time in my life, my prayers were cold and lifeless. I mean, I, I, would, I would kneel down or sit on the couch, pull out my Bible, and, and, and go to sleep in prayer, really. I mean, I would try to meditate in prayer, say, Jesus, I thank you today for being with me. And pretty soon I'm thinking about different things, thinking about the tasks that need to be done today. My spirit's asleep. I, I'm not, and, and I learned if my prayer life was going to be fervent and go deeper, I had to actually pray out loud. And I had to pray fervently. I had to engage my spirit in my prayer. I, I mean, I started praying loud. And I stopped worrying about what people were thinking about around me. I mean, I even started singing my prayers. I mean, God, I thank you today. God, that you're with me right now. I thank you. I'm hungry for you. I am desperate, Jesus, for you right now. Show up in my life. God, I praise you, and God, I need you, and God, I'm hungering for you. Without you, I am nothing, oh God. Without you, I can do nothing, God. Without you, I can't walk through the rest of this day, oh God. I need you, God, I need you. Show up today in my life. Touch my family today. Help them today. Unveil yourself today in them. God, I need you today. I need you right. Interrupt my schedule. Reach down and pull me up today, God. I thank you that this room is not my casket. I thank you that I'm not walking through life on my own. I thank you that you're with me every step, every step of the day. I thank you that you're with me right now. I'm not facing life alone. You are with me, Jesus. Hey, when you start to pray that way, you start to go deeper below the surface in your prayer life and say, hear my cry. Oh God, I'm standing in line waiting for you to hear me. Hear my heart today. Hallelujah. So I know I'm rocking your world this morning. Some of you are thinking, what in the world is going on? talking about diving deeper in prayer, and you will experience times of desperation. I mean, Kimberly and I experienced that a couple of weeks ago. We, we went to uh, 
my wife's in-laws, my mom and dad's house in Modesto, and Gracie, she was swimming in the pool. Um, she didn't realize that there was in the deep end an area that, that increased quickly or went up quickly in the pool, and she dove into the pool, and she hit her head on the bottom of the pool. She came up out of the pool, and she was already crying. She kind of sauntered to the edge of the pool and passed out in her mother's arms. And it wasn't just a few seconds, but for a couple of minutes, there was nothing. Her eyelids, when you lifted up her eyelids, her eyes were rolled back in her head, and we called 911, and the paramedics were coming. We, we didn't know at that moment what was, what was happening, whether she was going to remain that way, whether when she woke up, she was going to have feeling her, in her extremities. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't know what was going on. And I can tell you at that moment, we weren't praying these nice little ornate prayers. We were praying, God... <laughs> Jesus, raise my daughter up right now. Jesus, I speak life over her body. I speak health over her body. God, help her to snap out of it right now. Help her eyes to open up in every part of her body to be whole. In the name of Jesus, I speak it in the name of Jesus. Rise up in the name of Jesus. You will reach Moments in your life when it won't just be a, a cry of jubilation, but a cry of desperation as David was praying. When my heart feels overwhelmed, that's what he says in that next part. When my heart is overwhelmed, when my heart, the over, word overwhelmed means lacks absolute energy. You, you, are, you have no energy. You are exhausted. You can't make one more decision. You can't you can't make one more, you can't perform one more task. Everything around you is just, you're so tired and you're exhausted and your heart is overwhelmed. Well, I can tell you, when you begin to dive deeper in prayer, the next part of that verse shows up. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. Something will begin to happen that will cause you to experience God in a greater way. Gracie was all right, by the way. In a couple of minutes, she opened up her eyes and she got up. She had a bump on her head and scrapes on her nose and mouth, but she moved around without anything that, that was noticeable. The paramedics came and they left. But I can tell you there will be times of desperation when you call out to God in prayer. It's what David felt. Reminds me of a little boy who had a, a frame, a picture frame by his bed on his nightstand. And his dad was in military service and away from him, so he would look at his dad at night, and it just reminded him that his dad was watching over him. But one night, he started crying because he just wanted his dad so much. His mom heard him and came into the room. She said, what's wrong, honey? And he said, I... I just want dad to come out of the picture frame and be with me right now. And I know sometimes we understand the idea that God is good, that God loves us, that God is with us, that God understands what we're going through, every circumstance, but, but don't you just ever so often want God to come out of the picture frame. 
your heavenly father, your heavenly dad, just to come out and just embrace you right there in a moment and say, I'm, I'm here in the midst of your circumstance. As I was praying about this weekend, I felt like some of you would come in today and you would be in that place of feeling overwhelmed. Your heart exhausted, you just, you're tired, you're weary. And that you would come in and you'd need your daddy God just to walk out of the picture frame into your life and express his presence in a very real and tangible, incredible way this morning. And I thought if, if there are people who come this morning needing that and people online, you may be feeling the very same thing that I wanted to take just a moment, a pause moment in the midst of this message and pray for you if, if that's the way you're feeling right now. If you sense that you, you've just been overwhelmed this week or the, over the last few weeks, something has been going on and you're just tired and you need your daddy God just to show up in your life today. Let me see your hand right now. Wow. Pastor James, look at this. Keep your hands up just real quick. I want to pray right now for you, everyone online, those that are raising your hand even online. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for every hand that's lifted at this moment, God, every heart that feels overwhelmed, every discouraging word that has somehow left a seed that is bringing forth negative harvests, God, uproot that. I tear down every barrier. I tear down every wall in the name of Jesus of separation. For every person who feels estranged to your presence right now, I pray, God, you'll just light down in their heart right now. They'll sense the warmth of your Holy Spirit flooding their life right now in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that there will be a divine sense, a divine anointing and unction right now, touching every hand and every heart that is open to you in Jesus' name. I pray for every person online all around the world that needs your presence right there in the very room where they are viewing this message in Jesus' name. I thank you for it right now, and I praise you for it. And everyone said amen. 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 Do you sense his presence this morning? So David said, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I can't get there myself. God, you lead me to the rock. I know some people will say, show me the money. But I say, show me the rock. Some people will try to to get through their discouragements, walk out of the cage of depression on their own. But I think we need to pray, lead me to the rock. Because who is the rock today? It's God my Father. It's God your Father. In fact, in the very next chapter, Psalm 62, verse 2, David says, God, you only are my rock and my salvation. I want you to know that there are three word pictures Three expressions that are being expressed right here in Psalm 61. The first is the rock. God is the rock. The second is you are a shelter for me. It's the idea or the picture of a shelter. In the Old Testament, a shelter was a hiding place, a place you would go so you wouldn't be afraid, a place away from the storms that would try to perpetrate your life. Kimberly and I went through the tornado in Joplin, Missouri in 2011. 
And we know what it's like to go through a, a horrendous storm, a tornado, a tornado, and to seek shelter. That's what God is. He is a shelter, a hiding place, a place of defense for us. But then the third picture that you see is you are a high tower, God. You are my high tower from the enemy. This is an offensive picture. A shelter was a place of defense, a hiding place. A strong tower was a place of offense, a place where the king and his strategic commanders would go so they could view the, the battle. It was a room that was built in the wall of the city, in the tower of the city, and the king could see everything that was going on, but the enemy could not reach him. It was an offensive place. So see the three pictures here that David expresses. Rock, shelter, strong tower. I believe those are three pictures of the God, Godhead. I've already talked about the rock, Psalm 62 and 2. God, you only are my rock and my salvation. The rock expresses God the Father. Shelter, I believe, expresses Jesus the Son. What did Jesus say to Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, but you would not. Jesus is saying, I'm your shelter. I'm your protective place. And then, of course, the strong tower represents God, the Holy Spirit. There's one item in the spiritual armor that is offensive. What is that item, anyone? The sword of the... So the one offensive weapon that we have to use is wielded by the power of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the rock. Jesus the Son, shelter. God the Holy Spirit, a strong tower. So we have a picture of who we are praying to. Sometimes we need a rock, a high place, a perspective to see things like we've never seen them before. I think that verse is a grid for Higher Vision Church. Higher Vision Church is about helping people to go up to a higher place, to have a higher vision with a higher perspective, to see things like God would see them, where God would give them a perspective of themselves and their families and their communities like, like we've never seen before. Sometimes we need a rock. Sometimes we need a protective covering, a shelter. Sometimes we need a strong tower. But we need all three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? Now watch what happens, because now, after we know who we're praying to, diving deeper, we see the benefits of prayer. We see what happens when we experience God in these ways. First of all, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. That is a benefit of rest. We rest in God's presence. I will abide. That word actually is talking about lingering or pausing in God's presence. I'm gonna stay there for a while. I'm gonna rest in God. Those of you who raised your hands, who said, my heart is overwhelmed. Here's the place that you wanna go. You just wanna rest in God's presence. Just spend some time in God's presence because as you rest in his presence, you'll experience the next part. I will trust in the shelter 
of your wings. See the progression. It's a spiritual progression. We move from resting in God to trusting in God. I trust in the shelter of your wings. Just like a a mother bird who spreads out her wings. Her, Her little babies may have the open space to play and have fun. But when the prey comes in or a storm comes in, she opens up her wings and those babies come underneath her wings and she protects them. And those babies trust in their mother. That's the type of trust that we have in God. When we're diving deeper in prayer, we're trusting in God's presence. Can I get a witness? All right, these are the first four verses, diving deeper in prayer. Let's, Let's look at the next main idea, the last four verses. Now, unfortunately, sometimes in Scripture, the main idea is not always prominent. Sometimes it's not always as clear as, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will cry out to you. Obviously, there's an idea here of, of diving deeper in prayer, but these next four verses are a little bit more ambiguous. So I'm just gonna put a question mark there, and let's see if we can figure it out together. What do you say? Because here is something important for you to know. The people who understand and dive deeper in the Word are the ones who ask the best questions. If you're asking some really good questions, you're going to get some really good answers. So let's ask some questions. For you, O God, have heard my vows. Now for me, I've got to ask the question, what kind of vow or vows is David making? I wish I I was a fly on the wall and I could have just heard what David was praying. You, You know that a vow is a promise in prayer. It's a prayerful promise. So for example, it's it's praying something and saying, God, if then Some of us have prayed this prayer, God, if you will get me out of this mess, then I will serve you all the days of my life. That's a vow. Now, I'll tell you this, don't pray that vow if you're not going to follow it. Because God will get you out of your mess, but then he will expect you to serve him all the days of your life. And if you choose not to, I'm telling you, you probably will end up in a greater mess than the first one. So a prayerful vow is a promise that you make to God. So what what promises do we find David making? We, We don't know. Maybe they were big promises, daring promises, dreaming dream promises, believing that God would do incredibly great and mighty things in the future. But here's what I want you to see. Look at this verse. David says, David prays, you have have given me, or you, O God, have heard my vows. It's different than verse 1. I'm just giving you a little word today. Verse 1, he's saying, hear me. In verse 5, he's saying, you have heard 
He's able to pray verse 1 because he's experienced verse 5. I'm able to pray to God because he's already answered my prayers before. I'm able to dive deeper in God and pray. I'm not just praying prayers of hope because he's answered my prayers. He's heard my prayers. It gives me the confidence to pray and seek him in other ways right now. Do you you see the importance of this? David prays because he knows that God has heard him. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. In fact, would would you say that with me right now? This is one of my favorite verses in this whole chapter. You have given me, let's, let's do it together. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Let's parse the word heritage. What is that? Herit, age. Herit, age. Age of herit. Age of inheritance. David was saying, I'm living in an age of inheritance, an age of heritage, because I've connected to a group of people, a family, who takes you seriously, God. And I can tell you David's father was not a spiritual giant. Jesse, he was no spiritual giant. Here's what he's saying. I'm connected to some people who take you seriously. Do you know this morning that by being a part of Higher Vision Church and this family of faith, this community, that you have connected your caboose to some people who take God seriously? Do you know you're living in an age of heritage, an age of inheritance, just because you're connected to some people who love God and fear God and serve God just by being here this morning. Pastor Jared and I are third-generational pastors, which means we're in succession. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We're, We're the Jacobs in our family lineage. What was Jacob known for? Jacob was known for birthing or conceiving lots of sons, 12 sons. Jacob was the one who birthed Joseph, who ended up rocking Egypt because he was second in command. The Jacob generation is not content just to live life with with their own family. They want to birth generations upon generations. You're connected to a higher vision and a church where people are not just concerned about living life today, but we want to birth a generation, an age of inheritance, heritage, where God is impacting cities and nations, not just in our time and in our generation, but for many generations. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm, I'm downloading a spiritual app in my kids and my grandkids, not just my biological children, but my spiritual children and everything that I am downloading in their spiritual app is going to produce fruit. When I'm dead and gone, they'll still be preaching the things that I was preaching, loving the way that I was loving, serving the way that I was serving. They'll still be shaking cities and shaking nations because I've birthed an age of heritage. Hallelujah. 
Just so you know, I'm not angry. I'm excited. I know how much that means that I and that we at Higher Vision Church are impacting generations. Now, now watch this. This is intriguing because David says, you have prolonged the king's life, his years as many generations. What happens there? There's a change in the pronoun. David moves from praying in the first person to praying in the third person. He doesn't say, God, you have, gradu- or you have prolonged my life, my years, as many generations. No, he prays, you have prolonged the king's life, his years, as many generations. I started thinking about that, and it, that's funny that he changes to the third person. I mean, have you ever listened or heard interviews on television with athletes who talk about themselves in the third person? Ricky Henderson, who used to play for the Oakland A's, used to do that. One of the most prolific base stealers in, in, in baseball history. But he would talk about himself in the third person. He would say, Ricky Henderson is a base stealing machine. Ricky Henderson will steal second and steal third on. You better watch out. Ricky Henderson's the best space stealer on the planet. Ricky Henderson doesn't fear any catcher. Ricky Henderson's not afraid of any pitcher. Ricky Henderson is going to steal every bag on you this game. Ricky Henderson's a base stealing machine. That's the way he would talk about himself. It's like he wasn't even there. So I read this this verse with David, and I think, what, what's going on here with, with David? But, but sometimes when it comes to talking about how you impact generations to come, you just, you just want to say it in the third person, right? It's embarrassing. I, 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 if I was Ricky Henderson, I, I would say something like this, you better watch out for Wayman Ming. Wayman Ming is a generation-stealing machine. I mean, you better watch out. Wayman Ming is going to steal the next generation and the generation after that. Devil, you better watch Wayman Ming. No minion or demon from hell is going to stop Wayman. He'll steal second base on you. He'll steal third base. He'll steal home plate on you. He's the best base-stealing, generation-stealing person on the planet. That's what David's doing here. He's saying, prolong my years. Help me to steal some more generations. Help me to impact some more generations. He will, and he's still talking in third person, he will abide before God forever. Let's, let's kind of bring this to a close. Pastor Chip, come up here and help me because you, you've got to see the word picture that David's talking about here when he says he will abide in your in his presence, in your presence. Now, what's spoken in verse 4 is different than what's spoken here. Because in verse 4, David says, I will abide in the tabernacle of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. 
Here, David says, he will dwell or abide before God's presence. Do you know there's sometimes when you dive deeper in prayer that you're just going to chillax with God. Just going to spend time in, resting in, abiding in his presence. This is the picture of just chilling or hanging out with God. You are with him. You are in him. You're dwelling, you're abiding, you're resting. But this is the picture when you start spending time before God. And now you're not just resting, but you're spending some face-to-face time. And you're sharing heart together. And you're having some heart-to-heart communication with God. This, this is good. I mean, I love spending time in God and, and with God, but I can tell you that this right here is even better. When you start spending time before God, face-to-face with God, He begins speaking. Thank you. He begins speaking some things to you that literally rocks your world, changes your life. He will abide before His presence. Look at that, how powerful that is. He will abide before God forever. And by the way, the word forever here, isn't it interesting? It's the third time in the chapter that it's used. When is it used before? I will abide in His tabernacle, in His presence forever. Then he goes on to say, I will will spend time in his presence forever. But right here, I will abide before him forever. Forever God the Father. Forever God the Son. Forever God the Holy Spirit. Three forevers connecting to the triune Godhead again in this passage of Scripture. Three pictures, rock, shelter, and strong tower. Three forevers, God, uh, Son, and Holy Spirit and they all have to do with diving deeper in his presence. Oh, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. Oh, somebody circle or highlight the word oh, because I think sometimes we've lost the word oh in the church. We've lost the wonder. We've lost the passion. We've lost the transforming work of God where we just... Oh, God is so good. I know in our multi-age uh, of communication and social media and movies that are constantly tugging at our emotional strings and news stories that just are constantly blowing our minds that almost sometimes in the church we feel like we have to go the opposite direction. That if we're looked at as passionate, we're seen as insincere. But I'm just going to lay it on the line today. The church needs the O, the wonder, the passion, the fervency, the effectual nature of God. Oh, we can say, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Or we can say it as it is in Scripture. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name forever. We can say, 
taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Or we can just read it as we do in Scripture. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. We could leave out the O right here and just say, prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve Him. Or we can say, oh, let there be some passion, some wonder, some inspiration, some excitement, some amazement, some transformative work of God. Oh, prepare mercy and truth and preserve Him. And mercy, some of you know, is the absence of judgment. So when God prepares mercy for you, you don't have to worry about judgment. And truth is the absence of lies or distortion or deception or falsehood. When you are in communication with God, you are founded upon a rock that has absolute reality, not a rock of falsehood or deception or distortion. Prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. And then he goes back to the first person. So, because of all this, I will sing praise to your name forever. Oh, there's the third forever. I was a bit premature. There's the third word forever. The first one, I will abide in your presence forever. The second one, I will be, abide before your presence forever. And the third one, so I will sing praise to your name forever. Are you ready for the second idea? Because it's right here in the last verse. That I may daily perform my vows. Who? There it is. <laughs> Diving deeper in daily devotion. He wasn't talking about even future here. He was saying, my vows, the vows that we ask about in verse 5, what are the vows? They were daily vows. He was committed daily to follow Jesus. He wasn't just a weekend warrior or Christian. He was someone who had understood the principle of diving deeper on a daily basis, deeper in his presence, following him, loving him, serving him, not just on the weekend, but during the week. That's why I love water baptism so much. It's, it's a public profession of our faith that we follow Jesus. It's like we lift our hand and we say, in front of everybody and the whole world, I have decided, we wear those shirts, I have decided to follow Jesus. But here's the important truth. It's not just a declaration for Sunday. It's a daily vow. It's a daily devotion. It's raising your hand on Monday and Tuesday at work when maybe you're going to get persecuted just a little bit because you're a Christian, or maybe persecuted a lot because you're a Christian, but you still raise your hand and make a public profession and say, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's a difference between being a fan and a follower. A lot of people are fans of Jesus. They show up on, on Sunday to church, but are, are we following him? I'll be honest with you, um, I'm a fan of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I, I know, I know. It's, I mean, I, I used to watch the Dodgers when they had, you know, Steve Garvey and Ron Say and Oral Hershiser and all those guys. 
And I, I was rooting for them in the playoffs, that they would win the playoffs, go on to the World Series. But I'll also be honest with you and tell you that I'm not a follower of the Dodgers. I don't have an app on my phone that alerts me to every trade or every bit of news that comes down the newswire. You, you know, you can have a, a Dodger app that will communicate to you everything that's going on. It will alert you and notify you. I don't have that. I have a Detroit Lions app. <laughs> and a Detroit Tigers app. And I can tell you everything that goes on because I'm alerted and notified for every big trade, every... every uh, player who gets hurt, anything that goes on, I know what's going on with the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Tigers. I, you can come up after service, I'll tell you the latest. Because I'm not just a fan, I'm a follower. I Google them. I get on the internet and I find out what's going on. There is a huge difference Between being a fan and a follower of Jesus, when you are a follower, you are hearing the news, every alert and notification during the week that you need to hear because you're following Jesus. You are diving deeper below the surface. He is in communication and dialogue with you. There is a daily devotion going on in your life. You are downloading from God on a consistent basis. You're more than just a fan. You're a follower. I love the song that Larnell Harris sang so, so many years ago, and he said, I miss my time with you, those moments together. I want to be with you more each day, and it hurts me when you say you're too busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's empty? There's a longing in my heart preacher's voice, wanting more than just a part of you. It's true, I miss my time with you. Miss my time with you. I want to make daily vows to God. I want to say to God, today, God, I'm a follower, not just a fan. 